people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, welcome to another issue of Kidney Talk. I'm really excited today because I have Rebecca Wingard, and Rebecca Wingard has so much information for us. Um, She's a nephrology nurse and the vice president of Quality Initiatives for Fresenius Medical Care. Well, welcome to the show, Rebecca. Hi, Lori. Thank you for having me. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about the Right Start Program. Mm -hmm. So why don't you explain to everybody what is the Right Start Program? Well, the Right Start Program, it's really uh, trying to focus on patients that are brand new to dialysis. And when they first start treatment, it's been found that in that first year, the mortality rate is actually very high compared to patients who are, have gotten past their first year. So in the first year, so basically, probably because they're starting, they don't know what's going on, they just have a higher chance of, uh, of not making it, huh? Well, there's a lot of factors, I think, that go into it. You know, that's part of it. But, you know, also they've come from a very sick time. You know, you're really pretty sick when you start dialysis because it's a time when your kidney function has slowly, slowly, slowly gotten worse all the way to the point of needing dialysis. And a lot of times you don't realize it's such a slow downward decline in your kidney function, you don't realize how bad it's gotten. The chronicity of the disease, you just don't know how bad you feel. Yeah. And so you finally are at that point that you need dialysis, and and almost two-thirds of the patients have low albumins at that time. They're malnourished. They're anemic. You know, all of the usual things, they're kind of at their peak right there when you need to start dialysis. And one of the reasons um, patients um, uh, have low albumin levels is because when your kidneys start to fail, you kind of lose your appetite, right? You do. You do. And you can't even, even if you know you're supposed to eat it, as you know, it's hard to make yourself eat. Eat protein, yeah. Yeah. You have to drink it. It's easier to drink it than eat it. I don't know what it is. It's like the consistency or something. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it just, your body just doesn't want it. (laughs) But when you start dialysis, you know, once you get uh, several treatments, you know, maybe two two months or so under your belt, you start to get that appetite back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what you really needed was the dialysis. Because that takes the toxins out of your blood and that tells your body that you're hungry again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because you're feeling better. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of um, patients are in and out of the hospital more frequently during that first year, Mm -hmm. especially the first three months, first three or four months. In fact, um, the data from our United States renal data system tells us that things kind of peak at their worst about the second, third month. So um, So that first initial phase is really a time to be really aware of all the things that are are going on to really try to prevent things from from happening. So the Right Start program, when patients enter the Right Start program, um, how does it work? Are they assigned a person to really help them with all these stages? Um, Well, the way it's working right now is that we call it a case manager Mm -hmm. who's assigned to each new patient. 
and that case manager over about three or four months they go through teaching the, the new patient all the things they need to know so there's like a patient education piece to it over that three or four months and then the other piece is that they work with the rest of the healthcare team to kind of make sure that everything's getting taken care of that a new patient needs and really individualizing for each particular patient well what's going on with that patient as a new patient that might not um, get as much attention if you just enter the dialysis clinic and you just get treated like a patient who's always been there if right. you see the difference right yes because yeah. it's they're new and it's it, I remember that I hadn't been in a, a dialysis unit for a while and just the smell and the sounds and it's just all overwhelming yeah. um, especially for you know being the first time and then you have to sit in a chair and have needles put in your arm it's pretty overwhelming yeah and you don't know what to eat so how did the right start get program who developed it and 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 where is it at right now well it started back in 2002 with a pilot kind of a pilot program and but we still called it right start back at that time and uh, we tested it in about a thousand patients and then we compared it to about a thousand patients who were not in a Right Start program, and we saw some good outcomes. Actually, you know, better, uh, a higher percentage of patients who were meeting their anemia targets, that hemoglobin target, um, a higher percent that were getting a good URR or KT over V, and actually even a lower death rate over that first 90 days. So the pilot showed some really good results. So we kept going with it and expanded it. So right now, it's still kind of in an expansion mode, and it's in about 175 clinics. Okay. And so we're continuing to just build on that and find different ways that we can continue to expand, maybe not exactly in the exact model that we've used before, but to just keep carrying forward the principles that the Right Start program is based on. What do the patients have to do? So basically, do they have the option of enrolling or do you just pick patients? Well, in the clinics that Right Start's in, it's considered the standard of care in that okay. clinic. So it's assumed that every patient would be in the Right okay. Start program. Now, a patient always has a right, you know, to refer, refuse treatment of any kind. So they still can can say, oh, I, I don't. I don't want the help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want the extra help. I think I'll try to figure out what I want to eat on my own and all and, that kind of stuff. And, you know, when you're new, sometimes that happens because, you know, new, new patients go through really a grieving process because mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely. a loss of their health or at least mm -hmm. a portion of their health. And so one of the first phases of that is denial. Mm -hmm. And so they may really think, oh, I don't need help with this. I'm, my kidneys are going to get better. And, and so uh, that's one of the advantages, really, of having a nurse who's really focusing on that patient's needs and watching, you know, what stages are they going through? Are they getting stuck in, in any of these grieving stages? Do they need to be referred to a social worker or maybe get some extra attention for to help their mood? Because mm -hmm. um, when new patients usually hit some period of depression along the way mm -hmm. as part of that grieving process, and so you really have to pay attention and make sure that they're working through that appropriately to get to a point where they can really, you know, take off and, and accept it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, depression is such a part of kidney failure. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you have the stages of, sh- you know, anger, fear, shock, denial, you know, shock, denial, fear, anger, depression, grief, and then finally understanding and acceptance. And, you know, I know for me, a lot of times my anger, you know, really helped me uh, to use it, to say, I'm going to get through this, you know? Yes. And so everybody uses different emotions, but if you don't even understand them, that's the thing that was so amazing to me is that some of these emotions are so powerful, you don't even know what they are. Mm-hmm. And so it's so helpful to have somebody, you know, explain that this is normal yep. because you don't know what normal is and and that this too shall pass. I think mostly patients probably want to know that they're going to get through it. So, no, that's pretty exciting that um, you're offering this program. So how long has it been in, in existence? Is it going to be rolled out to, to the whole country or... Um, what are some of the things that, you know, if, if, if a clinic is interested in this, can they get involved in it? Um, I think what we're seeing across what I would call the nephrology community, which means any dialysis company in the States, is that more and more people are paying attention to the needs of new patients. So you might see, um, you know, where we call what we're doing a Right Start program, another dialysis clinic might call it something else. So I think if you're a patient, maybe one of the first, or a new patient, one of the first things you might want to ask maybe the clinical manager or your doctor is, is, is there any special attention or any, anything different that's done for new patients in this clinic? And that might get, get you started. You know, always ask questions about anything you're wondering about. And then, um, so you may already have something in the clinic that you're in. And we, at least in the company I'm in, we still are committed to expanding what we're using, the Right Start program, and our intent is to get all across um, all the clinics in our company. It's just something that takes some time. It's, a, it's like a, you have to implement it at each clinic at a time and get everybody yeah. trained. And uh-huh. I know one of the things that's a really important thing for first-year mortality is catheter use. Uh-huh. So how do you convince a patient? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was hoping you would tell me this. <laughs> you know, it's been an interesting topic among patients about catheters because I think some patients feel, well, if I'm going to get transplanted, I just want to keep my catheter and not worry about it and not have an access because we all see the accesses fail. But at the same time, when you have a catheter too long, you are really risking infection and um, possible death. So it's kind of a... A weird case scenario because you know more people are getting living donation transplants and mm-hmm. things happen quickly but at the same time it takes like three months for a fistula to mature it, it is a, a, a dynamic that has to you know we have to figure out the mm-hmm. the magic bullet because most people don't think they're if they're gonna get a transplant they think that they might get one quicker than they end up getting one yeah yeah that's true <laughs> And, and it's good to think positive that you're going to yeah. get it as soon as possible, but, but you never really know exactly what's going to be down the road and how soon that's going to happen. So can you tell a little bit about catheters, though, maybe just yeah. so people will know the risks of them? Well, catheters, first of all, for new patients, you know, those that we see in the Right Start program, eight out of ten patients start with a catheter, start dialysis with a catheter. And for us, that's a really bad statistic because we know there's been study upon study done that shows that patients with catheters, just like you said, the big risk is infection. 
and it can it can be serious infection that can put you in the hospital and cause what we call sepsis, which is the infection actually gets in your bloodstream and it can be it can actually be fatal if it gets bad enough. Yeah. Yes. So um, our goal is to get catheters replaced with a fistula or a graft as soon as possible. And a patient who's on the transplant list, um, we would include that patient in, in that goal because every day you have a catheter in, that's every day that you risk infection going directly into your bloodstream. And, and so because of that, when you don't, you know, if you know, if you were to know, okay, I'm gonna get my transplant in a couple of weeks, you know, that would be a case probably where you would just keep your catheter, but you never know that. Right. You know, the living-related donor situation, you just kind of have to evaluate. But even if you got a transplant, expected it fairly soon, sometimes there's problems with transplants down the road, and you have a need for dialysis, maybe temporarily or whatever the case may be, and you're going to have to have an access. So if you had, say, a fistula put in, uh, and you were you waited a year for a transplant. You've got that fistula to rely on later on if there should ever be any need that you you should need dialysis. If you can get a great fistula in, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the best thing. That's even the a, best goal. Even a graft is going to be better than having a catheter because that's that's really the bad thing. <laughs> right. Well, and when you come to dialysis and you have a low albumin level. You know, when your protein level's low, you're, you have a higher risk of infection rate because you can't fight things off. Yeah, that's true. So it's a, well, I want to know a little bit about how long you've been in nephrology and why you're so committed. Because every time I see you at a conference, you're always so committed mm. to patients. And where did you get the patient bug? <laughs> well, when I, I, went, I finished nursing school in 1981. And, you know, when we studied kidneys in nursing school, for some reason, that was always my favorite topic. I don't know why. And so I think I started working in a dialysis clinic, not right away as a nurse, but mm, probably around 1985, somewhere around there. And so most, uh, mostly since then, I've been working in nephrology. So I don't know. Just it's gets just, in your blood. Huh? It does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it does get in your blood, yeah. doesn't it? Well, Rebecca, I really appreciate you being here today and sharing all the knowledge. I know that you've written stuff for us on Kidney Times. Um, so you can go to kidneytimes.com and uh, learn more about the right start. And I'm sure Fernius Persinius Medical Care's website also has information. Or just Google the right start kidney mm-hmm. disease in yeah. Google, and you'll probably find a lot of studies about it. And as patients, we need to be more educated and uh, we're really at risk the first year so we have to take extra care because you can live a long life with kidney disease so thank you for being here today welcome thank you for having me we can control our own destiny we can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options we can form partnerships with our health care team we can take steps towards self-improvement we can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family we can sing dance laugh and enjoy our lives We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. 